My father was always a Newcastle fan, and I was proud. I was a real manager. I became besotted with football. I was a bit of a star, a little prodigy in my little village. So many failed. You think managing is easy? I was in the manager for eight years. Eight years. George, I don't think there's been a manager in the game like me. I loved Ipswich and European nights with Porto, Sporting Lisbon, PSV, and obviously Barcelona. I came home and I, I, George, I think I did a hell of a job. You know, the Northeast means uh, a lot to me. Maybe the legacy, which is just as important to me, is that I'm going to try and help people fight cancer. So, you know, I, I've been lucky. This is Bobby 90, a four-part podcast series brought to you by The Athletic to mark what would have been Sir Bobby Robson's 90th birthday. My name is George Colkin, and towards the end of his life, I worked with Sir Bobby on his final book. We looked at photographs, stirred memories, turned pages. It took Sir Bobby on a journey, his journey, from his early days as a miner's son in County Durham, through his mazy career in management, back home to Newcastle, and finally as his health declined, leading what he would describe as his last and greatest team, the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation. These recordings brought to you by kind permission of Sir Bobby's family have never been heard before. Our final episode. Faced with cancer for the fifth time, the last time, Sir Bobby takes on one more challenge. I'd ever finish like this, never. I thought I would, you know, live like my dad, 86 years of age, turn around, and the reason of whatever he had, and he's dead in two seconds. I just thought that would happen to me, you know. I never saw myself finishing with ill health or bad health or being disabled, never. I thought I would live a good life and, and would eventually die like everybody else does. But I really think the, 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 the um, you know, the fight that you have to have in football management over the years, you know, to be a man of steel, if you like. Because all managers have that kind of steelness. But I think that uh, ability to fight little mini disasters, they're not disasters, but little mini disappointments or whatever they are, you know, over the years and fight the fight and you, you get knocked down in the semi-final, but... The life that I've, I've had to live in football, in, in, a, in a highly competitive, demanding sport, really, has helped me to manufacture the character that I've got, which is whatever faces you, face it. It's like a boxer in the ring gets knocked down, and he, you know, he either lie or he get up and throw the next punch. I think to survive, uh, you have to have that. Simply that Ruth Plummer, who was the medical oncologist 
at the hospital and in charge of me with a fellow called Dr. Kelly. She, she, she's just actually being made a professor. So she's a bright lass, I think. At the end of one of my chemotherapy sessions, or maybe it was the end of the last one, very sheepishly and with a bit of embarrassment said, could I talk to you? I said, yeah. And I thought you were going to talk about my health. And she just happened to say that um, where we are now is a bit old and uh, out of date, but we have a replacement a facility at the Freeman Hospital, which is beautiful, modern, light, airy, just what we need. Three times the size of what we've got here. Absolutely ideal, but we haven't got a, a penny to get it out. Do you know any body with the money. I said, no, no. But then I said, you know, like, what are you after? She said, well, she, and she said, Tom, well, we, we've got to try and get this cancer trial research center out, state-of-the-art laboratory, latest techniques and, and uh, you know, early detection and treatment of cancer, clinical trials for new drugs, that sort of thing. We've got good people in the area who are doing, doing wonderful work, were themselves going round people trying to get some money. Well, I mean, they had full-time jobs, and they didn't really have any contacts, did they? She says, oh, just wondering whether you know anybody, any corporate people, any business people, any individuals who might be willing to hear about our story and our problem and, you know, give some money. So I thought, right, well, I'll go think about it, uh, Ruth. I do know people, but... And, you know, never thought how to work it all out. What was the best way of raising the money? How do we go to people and raise money? I mean, typically, it's something that you've thrown yourself into. I mean, like Very you much. Have, like you have with everything. In well, your like going to Barcelona, like, yeah, yeah, like going well, to yeah, learn a language or... Yeah. yeah. Or going to Newcastle, yeah. But you've always had that. You've always had that trait, haven't you? It's the same Yes, thing. well, I don't want to boast, but yes. No, 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 it's not, it's not boasting, it's, but it's, it's the kind of the love of work and it's the love of hard work, which obviously you've inherited from your sort of dad and from, yeah. from that side. Yeah, yeah. And I've done it, George, when I haven't been well, have I? But, so I put me back into it, George. Yes. I'm being one of these guys that if I'm committed to something, you know, I'm committed to it. Well, once I committed myself to, to using my name for the foundation, I knew that there could be no slowing down, there could be no pulling out, getting halfway down the road and turning back. I knew there was no turning back. Uh, we, we, through this meeting with my committee and all the hospital people in authoritative positions, we got down to the fact that 500,000 would meet most of the project. George, I, I went to Sunderland, I forget the match. It was the end of the season. I think it was Middlesbrough, because yeah. I stayed on me. Yeah, it would be. And... Uh, I was in the back of the director's box, which saves me, you know, going down steps and coming back again. So some have been very nice to me. They've been very nice to me. Those put me in the back row, so I don't have to negotiate the steps to going down and coming up. Because going down is a nightmare. I can get back up, but do go down in case I fall. And I just turn, and, and I'm now on the corridor to go along the corridor and turn right and into the director's rooms behind them. And those two old folk, two old soldiers there, <laughs> And as I went by, they said, hey, hey, Bobby, Bobby. And I said, yeah, yeah, how are you? No, no, yeah. One, and one give me a £20 note and one give me a tenner. I mean, in, in the rest of your sort of life, you've had big challenges. 
England, Barcelona, Ipswich, Newcastle, etc. Big challenges, but this one that you've done is literally a life and death challenge because you're dealing with people's lives, the people who'll benefit from the charity. Well, it's like I said, it's, it's not about beating Portsmouth anymore, it's about beating death. So, you know, that's the legacy that I'm hoping to kind of leave, I guess. I guess. several times. I'm the only one, one in my family that uh, has had it or got, got it. And it is the fifth time, and yeah, it is the fifth time. Here I was, um, you know, the fittest 70 year old, probably in the country, uh, which I was, I think. And uh, two years later, I'm, I'm fighting for my life. And it was a blow, wasn't it? It just came out of the blue. I'm in a football match, as you know. Where else would I be on a Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock? And uh, ironically, at Ipswich, as the first match of the season, uh, as the president on the pitch, getting a, a thunderous ovation. And by 3.15, something's happened to me which I didn't know much about. And by uh, half past five that day, I've told I've got a, a tumour on the brain, which was a, you know, a shock. So all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, from being a Tarzan, Tarzan which I thought I was, Johnny Weasmuller, swimming from trees and, you know, from being very fit, very strong, on the pitch every day and could run and, you know, good heart and still got that. That's kept me alive, to be honest, I guess. And suddenly I find that I'm, I'm fighting death, which I am. And uh, with the advent of me tumour, the removal of my tumour, my disability through the operation, the continuation of scans after that to make sure that this was all out. They then found out that I had more tumours in my lungs, which were of the same type, malignant, and unfortunately they said this was operable, this one in my lung was operable, these weren't hand. So I knew I had a fight on my hand. see him about these other tumours, Dr Kelly, I realised that he was telling me there was a bleak future. So I said, well, right, how long have I got? And he said, well, nobody knows. Not weeks, of course, but not years. Months. So I said, well, how many months? He said, I don't know. He said, maybe 12. 24, 36, we don't know. So the bloody hell, like, bloody hell. It was a shock, George, I tell you, wasn't it? When he said to me, well, not weeks, but not years, months, I mean, he stopped me in my tracks. And I went home to Elsie. She was lying in bed. She was, she was ill. She was actually in bed, wasn't she? Really ill. 
Well, I just told the truth. I just said, I, no, I just told her that the tunes that I have were not operable. They were inoperable. And I had to go have some chemotherapy and uh, couldn't give me any time or any knowledge as to how long I would survive. But I had to face the future with cancer of the lung. afraid of it. It's a frightening word. And, uh, and there's all types of cancer to all different parts of your body. And uh, my disability is my worst problem. Well, I'm caught with my cancer, yeah. But if I had my arm, if I could play golf, or drive a car, or tie my tie, or tie my shoelace, yeah, I, I wouldn't be so bad. I'd feel the frustration, not the cancer. It's my disability. And, um, and so that's been frustrating. If we just had cancer, well, I mean, we're all going to die. I mean, you know, I, I, George, I am 75. You know, there was a woman who came to my dinner in Newcastle, very tearful, very emotional, to thank me for what I was doing. And they bought a table, to, you know, to put some money into the... And they lost their boy at 15 years of age. Now, George, if I lost my boy at 15, or you lost your daughter, how would you cope? And this woman lost her boy. She was tearful that night. She was very emotional, and the husband was with her, and he, he was bleary-eyed, and, you know, and, and thank you, and, you know, we've come to support you, and Bobby, we lost our son six months ago, 15 years of age. So it's a horrific disease, and, you know, and everybody, every, uh, there isn't a person in the world, I don't think, that doesn't know what cancer is, because everybody knows somebody who's had it, or their friends had it, or their friend of their friends had it or their friend of a friend of their friends had it. We all know who's had cancer. Because the area means a lot to me, you know, it's where I was born and bred, playing my early football and so forth, where we've come back to, where I met my wife, where we got married, uh, went away, but after 50 years I came back. You know, the northeast means uh, a lot to me. I'm happy to be home, George. It's where I want to be. It's where we are. It's where we will never move from now. I mean, I just think, George, like everything else, with time, and it'll take money as well. That's why I'm doing it. You know, this, this Ruth Plummer needs money to set up this laboratory, this state-of-the-art laboratory, with all the modern, you know, techniques or whatever they need to to uh, discover what drugs are. So I'm convinced, George, that with time and money, we'll conquer it. Might not conquer every particular concept, but the, the, the idea is that, you know, obviously throughout the world, George, wherever, I mean, we're talking about the Northeast, but in America, in Australia, in China, in, everybody's devoting a lot of time to trying to find out how to cure cancer. And one day we might cure it, I don't know. But it would take time. And so I'm, I'm just saying, well, Whatever time I've left, I've only been football life, and I've got a legacy about that. But maybe the legacy, which is just as important to me, is the legacy that I'm, I'm going to try and help people fight cancer.
I knew that I had a you know f- fight on my hands for for my life really basically, and uh, you know with my disability and 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 having cancer, um, I think work <laughs> work was out of the question, um, or that type of work which I'd been undergoing was out of the question. Hello, hello, and uh, so I just got on with my life. What, what can you do? So, you know, chemotherapy was the answer and see what we could do and they offered me uh, the, the, like the golden standard cancer drug treatment and they offered me a, a new trial drug treatment, didn't they? Which didn't work. And uh, the percentage on that new drug wasn't sufficient enough to give me an improvement and therefore it was partners given to me. So I went back on the the ordinary, what they call golden standard drug, which is the most common one they've got, which has been developed for years and years. They haven't found anything better in the last 30 years than what I'm having. And uh, so I've been going from, you know, week to week. You know, so I said, what will happen to me? I said, how will I know it? They said, well, you get very tired. But the latest scan showed that the tumours, the bigger ones, which were a worry to them, were on hold, they're static. So I'm off chemotherapy, which I must say has made me feel better, hasn't it? Because sometimes the, the treatment is worse than the, yeah. worse than the disease. In fact, George, funny, every time I was told that I had a cancer, it didn't kind of knock me over. It didn't, I didn't think, Christ, oh my, that's the end of me. You know, I'll be dead in two weeks time. I just thought, oh, all right, right, right. a match and you've got another match seven days later I had to have this lung taken out because I knew that I would have I had another lung anyway so it wasn't a problem all my life I faced not adversity but I faced a disappointment we'd lose a match to the end of the world you got, you got another one seven days time you'll win that one so I think that effect football had on me of getting over a defeat or a sadness or a blow you know, has helped me in my private life. Well, there's not much else you can do, George. If you don't battle on, you'll die. It'll, 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 you'll, you'll, you know, by packing in, your life will pack in. So by fighting it, I've, had a, I've extended my life. And the extension I've had in my life has probably been the best part of my life. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, you can never write off Ipswich. Because that's where it all began. I was there 14 years. But what I did after Ipswich, you know, I had the jab put in terms of England and so forth. But then, without um, having that, you know, that spirit, that resilience to not ignore it. I did, I did ignore it. I dealt with it. I had to deal with it uh, and fight it. And, but by doing that, I have extended my life and I've done some wonderful things. And the, the best, the last part of my life has been probably, probably been the best part of my life. The thing I'm a miracle man. It, it. Uh, it I remember with the Campbell remake, what was George? I mean, twice I've had an aneurysm, I've had a blood clot, and the blood clot stopped next to my heart, and twice I survived. And they don't know how I survived. Professor Mendel, who operated on me, the professor who did this operation came in to see me and said, 
you're lucky to be alive, you know, you should be dead. You actually should be dead. I said, but I'm not. He said, no, you're not. He said, but you should be. What's happening here? He said, it's remarkable. We can't believe you're alive. Most people who have what you've just had don't get over it. It kills them. You know, your heart's in your, you're in great, great condition. Thanks to your heart and your, your active life, it's, it's, it's obviously saved you. I look back, I don't think I've been ill. I just think I've, I've been lucky, I've lived since two years, and, 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 and I said, I've, I've, been, I've been fit every day of my life. She said, Bobby, what are you talking about? You've had cancer five times. I said, oh, have I? Oh, yeah, I have. But like, it never interrupted my work, George. It never interrupted my work. So, you know, I, I've been lucky. Yeah, I've been lucky. So Bobby Robson launched his foundation in 2008 following his fifth cancer diagnosis to find more effective ways to detect and treat the disease. Part of Newcastle Hospital's charity, the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation works within the NHS and in partnership with other leading charities and organisations. It funds cutting-edge cancer treatments and innovative cancer support services, including the clinical trials of new drugs at the Sir Bobby Robson Cancer Trials Research Centre. Sir Bobby described his foundation as his last and greatest team. He had no idea how large his team would grow or how much it would go on to achieve. For more information or to donate, please visit sirbobbyrobsonfoundation.org.uk. That's sirbobbyrobsonfoundation.org.uk. I still remember. Set the time, 20 past 3. Is that the time? I've been there for 400. Yeah. We should probably. Yeah, we should really go. Is it okay to be yeah. a bit early? I've got a problem with the I must have been late. No. no. Well, Have we had a good day or not? Very good. Right. Yeah. That's excellent.